0: You were listening to episode 234 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we go nowhere fast in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: I'll correct uh, you there and say you didn't go anywhere fast. Uh, this week we played some Kinetica on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, uh, played is the word. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is a game that it it takes a while to kind of get used to. So, you know, I kind of wish we had a little more time for you to get the hang of things. But it it is kind of tough to get the handle of it right off the bat. Yeah, but- it's a wonky racing game. We will definitely be talking about that later on the episode. But first, you can find the Game Deflators on our out-of-date website, thegamedeflators.com. You can find us on social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. You can, of course, find our videos on YouTube, as well as little shorts and other things that we're doing. And, of course, a podcast application you are listening to right now. Leave us a five-star review, and leave us a five-star review on other podcast apps, too. We'd appreciate it. Okay. Our pickups this week. <clears throat> I actually got a copy of The Darkness 2 on PlayStation 3. It is a game that I've always wanted uh, on PlayStation 3, and I just never picked it up for whatever reason. So it was like 15 bucks, complete in box, came with a big poster, double-sided poster, actually, manual, everything that's in there, even little comic book inserts. Um, and yeah, looks nice. So I'm happy I got that. <clears throat> and then I also pre-ordered Chia on the uh, PlayStation 5. I've heard about this. People are pretty <clears throat> pumped about this game. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been out for a bit and it's supposed to be like this 12 or 13 hour open world type game. And I saw preview sort a long time ago. and was like, okay, that definitely catches my attention as a game I want to play. And it's $35 pre-order on Amazon for PS5. Like that's not bad. So I'm, and it's linked to, uh, you know, Whenever you look up Chia, it's like games recommended. It says uh, Kina Bridge of Spirits. So I'm like, I loved Kena. And if this is a recommended title based off of that, uh, then yeah, I'm going to enjoy this too. So we'll see. But it's got pretty good reviews overall. Uh, so I'm excited to get that started uh, later in the year. As far as playing is concerned, I finally beat Cardia World of Fate. So new Ooh. games resolution complete. Very nice, very nice. Way to go, yeah. John. Yeah. So uh the game itself Toxa's game or Toxas story far better than Lacrima's story. Uh definitely enjoyed it. Uh the overall gist of his story is he's a knight and he's protecting this druid that's a half elf that is you know trying to raise a world tree because only druids can raise world trees. Um, her brother, on the other hand, is trying to destroy uh both the elf world and the human world by combining uh, Eden, which is I think what we had talked about a while back, um, Eden coming down and these guys trying to summon it. Well, it turns out that this evil mad half elf is the one that was trying to summon Eden and he's a bitch like he is so hard to beat. Uh, the battle was insane to uh, complete the game. Uh, almost didn't win uh, in that one. And, you know, the story, like the way that it closes out, I'm not going to, you know, spoil anything for anybody, but the way it closes out is it's nice. Like it definitely, it definitely flowed the right way. Like I played it the right way, I feel. And, mm. you know, if by starting a Lacrima's story, it really gave me that like outside perspective on what was happening. And, like, Did it oh, give you the
1: choice at the beginning of who to play or do you have to play Lacrima first?
0: It gives you the choice of who you want to play in the beginning. Okay. So I, I chose right, I feel. So if you ever decide to play this game, you want to play lacrima first and then play toxa because just the way that the story flows you get this outside perspective on what's happening from like the human side of things and you don't really hear anything about the half-elf side of the story and then when you play toxa you get all of that like nitty-gritty back details that were not that you're not privy to uh, initially and so it really just kind of closes a loop on a lot of stuff um and, and honestly like there's certain characters that you wonder, like, where the hell did they go? Like, why are they not involved in this battle? And it's because, like, they snuck off and they happen to be in this battle with Toxa's group. And, you know, they're on this back end is like the secret, uh, really just kind of secret. Um, what would you say? Uh, warrior, I guess you would say on the back end. So it- it's cool. I-, I definitely enjoyed it uh, for the most part with the story. The battling, not so much. You know, I, I've mentioned countless times. is just not very good from a, a tactical RPG standpoint. I, I'm just not a big fan. So I do think this is in the realm of like a 6 out of 10 for me. Uh, but I'm happy I played it. It's an RPG knocked off the list and on to the next game, which is Rain on Your Parade. So there's a boss battle, right? Yeah. There is a boss battle. Uh, so the boss battle, the way it, so obviously you, we talked about the game a few weeks back and you, you have these tasks and you rain on things and all that. Well, you can actually get lightning now so I can now oh, strike, okay. which catches things on fire. So like if you take the oil trail and you mm-hmm. it around and then you light it on fire with the lightning, it spreads everywhere. It's great. So there's that, but the boss battle was pretty cool. So there's like this anti cloud generating machine that's off in the distance and you have to weave your way through homing missiles or targeted missiles. So if you get in their line of sight, they shoot missiles. So the idea is you have to keep all of your water, not get hit by missiles uh, while dodging them all, and then going ahead and destroying this like anti rain generator, basically. Mm. And so I want to, I, I want to say that the name of the, uh, the boss was Dr. Drysocket. I want to say nice. his name? I got a, I got a double or no Dr. Dryspell. It was dry spell.
1: Okay. That
0: was pretty funny. Um, have you it? found the cat on the map yet? No, I have not found the cat. I'm looking. I'm trying to find a cat and I haven't found him yet. So I probably blazed through like, I don't know, 10 or 12 levels last night. Overall, like just in an hour. So it's nice. It's a quick three-hour game, apparently. Did you get uh, any
1: like secret objectives
0: and stuff like we had done? Uh, Yeah, there was one thing that um, it was on a building and I blew it up with lightning and it gave me like a mask of some sort. So oh, cool. there's some pretty cool stuff like that. Uh, there was a forest that I completely burned down, which was nice. Like, it was like, oh, like to uh, turn out the campfires in the forest and light the tents on fire and rain on all the people. I was like, okay. And I accidentally hit one of the trees of lightning and I'm like progressing through the level. And the next thing you know, I look, I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> the whole forest is burned down. It was great. Um, and then there was actually, it was pretty funny. So uh, Grandpa Gandalf Cloud, uh, came out at some point, and he's talking to uh, you know uh, Cuddly Cloud, and he pretty much says, "All right," <clears throat> and this is before you get the lightning, and he's like, "Okay, so uh, you can get certain powers like lightning, and the way to get uh, lightning is with Cloud Bucks, and Cloud Bucks costs. And he's like, "Oh, I'm just kidding. There's no microtransactions in this game. Nice. To unlock things, you simply play the game." And I'm like, "Nice." So it was uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, there was a frog that said that he's been playing his Nintendo switch, um, for, since it got released, which is pretty funny. So there's a lot of little quirky bits of dialogue from the different characters that, uh, we didn't really get on the initial, uh, playthrough cause it just wasn't there yet, but it's pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely enjoying the game so far and I will continue playing until it's done
1: yeah i mean it was definitely a great choice of a game for them and uh it definitely was a lot of fun when we played it so i am glad to see that you are further enjoying it and i can't wait to see you get that patch uh yeah uh that's if i can
0: find a damn cat you'll find it Uh, we'll, we'll have to all right man uh what did
1: you pick up so for me I picked up Redfall this week. Woo. Via Game Pass. Thank goodness. So that saved me $70. (laughs) Did you know this is the first Xbox $70 game? Is it? Unfortunately. What a choice. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's pretty much aware of the Redfall controversy. We'll talk about a couple articles with mentions of it today. Um. I guess I'll just keep talking about it right now, and then I'll go into the other stuff. So, yeah, uh, I watched one review before I actually played the game. I watched uh, Mr. Matty Plays do his review, and his was pretty harsh. Like, he was telling you just not even to play it, like, even if you have Game Pass, like, don't even it. Not even to play it? it? Yeah. Even with Game
0: Pass? Holy crap, dude. I guess in, in his mind, was it more so, like, don't download it, don't play it, to show a, dis- a displeasure with the game itself and to not support something like this?
1: Um, I mean, just... Basically, he was saying that, you know, there are better things to do on Game Pass than play this game. Like, as an alternative to this game, there are better choices that you could do with your free time. That's harsh, dude. Yeah. So, I preloaded the game before i was all excited for it to come out you know me and my wife we love prey when we played that a few years ago uh i've never played dishonored or anything but like i know that those have rave reviews and, and, and i'd love to go play them sometime myself
0: rightfully so i'll have to loan you the ps4
1: dishonored oh that I they're have.
0: on game pass oh well there you go oh so yeah, yeah that's, that's right. one Arcane of the things Studios. he was
1: saying so like you know th- while there are better titles on game pass Why would you, you know, play this? Yeah. And so I actually, I played it twice. I sat down, I played it in two different settings for like 30 minutes each. And man, it's just right off the bat, just not great in all the ways that they say it isn't great. And I got all of that in like the hour or so that I experienced from it. Like I basically... know I didn't have a boss fight I didn't go into like too many like missions or anything but like the things that I did and the things that I saw were enough to tell the story as much as you really needed to be told like there just isn't a lot of anything going for this game like right off the bat the opening like scene like you're kind of in this cool scenario like you're at this like harbor and all the water is like crashed up like around you, kind of like Moses parting the sea style, frozen in time. And you're trying to get like up to the shore and there's like some cultist people on a boat that are trying to get you to turn yourself over to them um, or like give yourself up to the vampire because they need to like give people to the vampires or whatever. But ultimately, this whole big area has like six guys with guns that will aim at you for like three or four seconds before they even decide to take a shot, Um, have like no like real engagement or anything like it's just not. The amount of enemies and the interaction with the enemies is so poor and apparent off the bat that from what everybody says about the rest of the game and how it carries through, it makes me not even want to play the rest of the game because I know it's going to be just this boring the whole time and never get better in most of the ways. Like there are things in this game that are just like beyond the technical issues and beyond what are, you know, the choices that they made that just, Make it feel soulless in the modern era. Like there's no cutscenes in the game. The cutscenes are like, oh, here's some um, stick figures talking. like they're not literal stick figures. I think i I haven't even seen like one of these cutscenes myself, I don't think yet. but like it looks like it's like maybe like a blue glowing like nervous system with like a head or something. and like they're like interacting for the cutscene and you're watching it. But, like, that's it. There's, like, audio logs that you can't walk away from. Like, you can't take the audio log with you and keep playing. You have to stand in the room where you triggered it and wait for it to finish before you can keep playing the game. There's, like, all of the things that you would consider to be cutscenes for the game are just, like, in-game asset still shots with, like, a blue tone over them that just slideshow Hmm. like most of the missions are just like fetch quests you can run across the map for minutes without running into any enemies to engage with like it's just really poor old decision making that went into this game that just like compared to like what i have played and what they're known for it's just such a huge disappointment so did you come across any like crazy glitches or anything no, not in my time. I, like I said, I really only played it for like maybe an hour or so, and that was enough for me to just be satisfied. And I have listened to, you know, like five or six different reviews from different people and different websites, and they all say the same thing. And it's just like, I mean, it's as picky as I am with games like, you know, me, I jump from game to game. I don't even finish games that I love. Like there's nothing here captivating me or making me want to stick around like, I've played games, like, if I wanted to play a game with, like, picking up loot guns, I would go play more Borderlands 3. I mean, that game has, like, a horrible story and annoying characters, but, like, at least they're, like, characters and cutscenes. Like, it actually has, you know, the elements of a triple A game, and I got that for $6 used a month ago. Well this was two.
0: this was double A, Ryan. It wasn't to the uh you know standard of a triple A. Uh so all right, I gotta ask you here. If you had to play redfall or the devil's third, which one are you playing? You're forced to play one of them.
1: Which one are you playing through? Um, I mean, probably I guess probably Redfall because it's only like twelve hours.
0: I think double third is less.
1: Yeah, but I—it's I, probably better. <laughs> it's probably better than Double Third. It's probably better.
0: All right, all right.
1: What else did you play this week? Uh, that's really it. I. Uh, oh wait, no. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, my wife's been playing more of that. Actually, she feels so confident now; she doesn't even need me for the big fights. They grow <laughs> up so <Nice>. fast. <laughs> By the way, Double Third is uh, eight hours okay yeah maybe i don't know it might be worse but you might be a toss-up
0: might be a toss-up you heard it here
1: folks uh devil's third is at least worth a redfall playthrough all right uh i've been watching esl berlin uh that's some dota 2 actually a couple weeks ago i don't think i talked about it my friend got me into watching starcraft brood war the korean tournaments but casted by these two uh american guys um so I did notice that ESL one Berlin was coming up for Dota two tournaments and I hadn't really talked about Dota or watched Dota in a while. They made some huge changes, which are crazy. So like they made the map bigger and they made Roshan move and they changed like a whole bunch of things. And like, as far as like patches and updates, like this seems like it's really changed the game in a lot of ways. So I've been like, as somebody who doesn't play the game and only watches the tournaments and then really only watches the major tournaments sometimes (laughs) like I, I still very much trying to put together like what's different now, but I really do like the changes and the players seem to, there's been a bunch of big shifts in teams and dynamics since I last watched. So that's been a lot of fun. Actually. I think the finals are today. Um, And then let's see, I'm just preparing my body for Friday. Uh, Next time you hear my voice, I will have played Tears of the Kingdom. And I will tell you how many tears were shed in that kingdom. Uh, (laughs) I, I still have only finished like half of Breath of the Wild. So we'll see if I make it further or as far or how to even measure progress in Tears of the Kingdom. But I'm super stoked and really ready for that to come out whenever you beat pikmin you should have a secondary
0: new games resolution of uh breath of the wild no
1: no okay no i just i don't know like breath of the wild is like it's a great game but the whole time i played breath of the wild i was like oh my god this is such a fantastic base like i can't wait to see what they build off of and do next i just didn't think it was going to take seven years gotcha (laughs) for them to get there they're like it's too late nintendo well, I was expecting, like, I think we all were, like, kind of expecting some really interesting, like, Majora's, or, uh, yeah, Majora's mass type situation. Where, like, one or two years later, we'd get, like, basically an asset flip of the game, but, like, totally off the walls with new mechanics and stuff introduced. Yeah. And we're getting that, but, like, just on a whole different level than what we thought of, and many, many years later. Gotcha. Well...
0: Let's uh, move into our discussion topic. So, you know, I shit all over the Mario movie a while back, and uh, it, it was easily not my favorite film of the year. But I'll tell you what was a great film. The Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It is totally worth it. See, here, here's where I can tell the difference between Nintendo fanboys and a good movie, right? with Mario getting that 96 that I say is undeserved because critics are given a 59 critics gave dungeons and dragons, like a 90 and you've got normal moviegoers giving it like a 93. That right there is synergy amongst critics and fans to say things were done right. It isn't a biased opinion from a certain group. That's all I'll say on that. So you pretty much have the story of Edgin, who is essentially a bard slash um, planner. That's what he's called, and uh, Holga, who is a barbarian, and it pretty much goes into their story as to why they don't have Edgin's daughter and like what's happening with that. And it, it delves into this whole thing of like their D and group got caught trying to steal like a certain item, and. Uh, leading them to get captured, put in prison and they escape prison at the very beginning. And then it's their whole adventure on like what happens next. Right. And so it just has all of the makings of like, a, like as we were watching it, I'm like, damn, this would be a D and D campaign easily to play. And there were so many cool things. Like I will tell you the one big Easter egg that I flipped out on, by the way, was when Thumberchard, the red dragon was in the movie you Remember Thunder yeah, yeah, from your campaign. Mm-hmm. I about lost it. I was like, It's Thunder Thighs because we, I remember he was described as like this super fat dragon, yeah, that couldn't move. And dude, portrayed to that to the full extent, it was fantastic when they were in the Underdark and he came out. I was like, This is the best. Um, it honestly, while I was watching the movie like every detail that you could think of like how a bard acts how a barbarian acts how a sorcerer would act uh how a wizard would act how a thief would act like all of these different characters it's exactly how they would act typically like they got that part down and the dialogue that was happening it felt like i was at the table you know with these like with these players playing these characters like in this movie so it was it was all great man like all of a little finer like fun details like different creatures and monsters and um all of that like it was great there there were certain things that you would be like okay you can't do that in D." like they have a druid and a druid like changes forms like four times in the span of like 10 minutes
1: well so like i mean but it, that makes sense for a D is the rules approximate of the fantasy for balance and a movie should be unbound and play purely by the rule of cool and not be bound to like yeah its rules as well hard. so what's funny is as we we're watching
0: my wife counted up the number of times that she be shaped and uh she's like huh well she must be level 20 because you normally can't do that till you're level 20 and i'm like <laughs> well i guess that
1: works uh by the so, end of the movie they leveled up
0: yeah it was just cool and oh my god dude the paladin totally paladin it was just so funny man to to hear the dialogue and the little jokes that are cracked um like i'll tell you there's a scene where they have a special they have a magic item that'll allow them to talk to corpses by asking them five questions mm-hmm. and so they go to like dig up all of like dude hundreds of graves they dig them up to try and find an answer to something and so it'll ask you know whatever amount of questions and the corpse will be like well that was three questions I need two more questions. He's like, okay, uh, what's your favorite color? Okay, what's your favorite food? And then a corpse collapses. But what's great is they go to this one corpse and (laughs) he's like, all right, uh, well, you got to ask me more questions. I don't want to sit here. And they're like, okay, well, what's your favorite book? And he's like, well, there's just so many to choose from. And he just starts listing all of these different books and he just won't stop. And then they're like, all right, we're good. And they start walking away. And after he names one, he's like, that was only the fourth question, <laughs> and he's like, "Shit!" <laughs> As he's sitting there in his coffin, and he can't move because he's just a corpse. Yeah. So, it it was a fun movie. I I highly recommend it. Like everything that I've mentioned, I wouldn't say is necessarily spoiler. It's just some of the fun things in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a great plot twist that's tied to it. Uh, you know, it's kind of evident like what the end result is going to be, uh, at first, actually, and it's. The one thing I I didn't like, though, is I feel like they could make a sequel to this and like keep going with these characters and make a whole nother adventure. But they didn't exactly I guess it's a good thing. They didn't exactly like end the movie on a note where you're like, oh, man, I can't wait for the second movie. But that's kind of good, because if it failed, then you don't want to have that cliffhanger like you had with. Aragon so many years ago where you're like, "Oh cool, like there should be another movie, but it was such a bad movie, it's not going to happen." So, it was kind of nice that they did drop it off like that where you're not questioning if there's a sequel, but it did so well, it it's going to have a sequel. There's no way you can't. Like the success of this film, there's no way you can't make a second one.
1: Yeah. So, you think that it'll be more like a direct sequel because I mean, that's the thing that I had wondered with D&D as a franchise and I had heard people talk about this like you know Mario is a character and a place and it's all very specific and it may change from game to game but like Mario is very much its thing and like D&D kind of is in a way too like you know it has many of the same themes and everything that carry throughout it but like D&D is like an experience that you do and movies are typically about characters so it's like D has a vast legacy of fiction to draw from like there could have been like this could have been a drixt movie like you know that's ultimately probably where people would think like okay if they're gonna make a DD movie they'd probably make a drixt movie but instead they went in this other direction where they're like let's just do a D and D adventure, not necessarily like one of the canonical ones that we've made for like the five E setting or something like that, but let's make an adventure movie, throw some, you know, high profile people in there and just let it like do its thing and show off D and D and like, is the excitement of D and D itself enough to just carry a film or carry a franchise. So like, are these characters compelling enough or was this movie compelling enough in the sense that you would watch like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the water deep heist or whatever, and it just stars a whole different set of characters, but is like still D D and people eventually start to be like, Oh hey, that dude used Big B's hand because he's also a sorcerer or whatever the hell. Wizard. Yeah,
0: the the movie itself was the characters are very compelling. And the movie itself was carried on nicely. But I think if you were to do a sequel of this film, I don't think you can go about saying, oh, well, D and D is good enough that we could bring in a whole sleigh, of like slate of other characters to carry this film. No, I think that if you're going to do a sequel, you have to have these exact same actors portraying the same characters and have a new adventure that they go out on. Um, okay. Similar to what you would see with like guardians of the galaxy, right? Like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a reason that it's three movies, right? That they've got with the same characters. Obviously, it's comic book related and, and you kind of have to stick with those characters. But could you have other characters in a Guardians type of film? Sure. Is it going to be as good? No, because you don't have Rocket Raccoon. You don't have, you know, um, Star Lord. You don't have all these other characters that really make it compelling, right? So the D&D movie has those characters. It has. This was... This was honestly Dungeons and Dragons meets Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the best way to put it. Like I really enjoyed this film, and the characters are really what kind of make it happen. Because the mm. story is a DD story. I mean, it's an adventure. Shit's gonna happen, things are gonna go crazy. And it's that's the beauty of DD, is you can have like a general kind of plot line, but it can deviate in so many different ways based on how the characters interact with their surroundings and, yeah. and how they chat with other folks and whatnot. Um, and the movie definitely portrays that nicely. So I think you could have the same characters go into a totally new adventure with those same characters, meet new friends and allies, or friends and foes, and still have a great film. Uh, I don't, you know, or it could be the opposite. It could be that they captured, you know, lightning in a bottle this go around, and then they just jack up the next film and it sucks. I mean, you never know. But I, I think based on the great reviews, it's seeing if they stuck to the same type of formula and just inserted you know, characters in with plot twist plot line B, then you would still have a great film as long as they kind of maintained a lot of that um, you know, D D influence, like the different enemies and the, the little bits of information like they had mentioned at one point water deep in other areas. So you really got a good feel what's happening. Um and like uh Neverwinter, for example, you have a like Lord Neverember, uh mm-hmm. the Lord of Neverwinter, like he's mentioned on countless times in the game or in the in the movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, as long as they stick to the source material kind of nicely for that, like background, and kind of have characters with a new plot, I think it'll be fine for like another okay. film. Yeah. I liked it. It was good. You should go see it. Actually, yeah. it actually, if you don't see it in theaters, uh, Amazon prime has it, uh, I think to purchase right now for like 25 bucks, which would be the cost of going to go into the movie anyways. So just heads up. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's dive into some articles. We've got uh, Redfall developer gets mocked for the game's terrible launch by Shamir Safarez at Xputer. Uh So uh, I thought I had her name. I don't know if you've got it up in front of you, but I will Sadie Boyd. Yeah, Sadie Boyd. So basically she is a Redfall's environmental artist and uh, she came out to say how she's been mocked on just about everything tied to this game. So, I'll just read a couple of the tweets here. Uh, she said, I did not anticipate my own peers, friends, or colleagues openly mocked and being gleefully, or and being gleeful of a difficult launch. Uh, delighting in the failure of others, no matter how you feel towards the company, seems mean spirited. I'm sad, confused, and disappointed. Uh, and let's see, she had another one here that said, Uh, red falls, my first game that I've worked on from start to finish as an environmental or environment artist. It's insane. Our baby's finally out there. It looks or it took lots of blood, blood, blood. Did I mention blood? Can't wait for you guys to see it. So she mentions that. But if you look into the tweets, it's people absolutely slamming this game and just like saying really as much mean stuff as they can to this, uh, to this developer. So the other component, I think. You've got it noted here, so I won't call it out, but really a little bit of background that's kind of coming to light now regarding Microsoft and, you know, their thoughts on this game before launch. So, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you dive into your notes there because I don't want to steal your thunder.
1: OK, yeah. So, I mean, this is this is not a good thing. I mean, Red Falls launch was bad. I was just talking about how bad, you know, the game is earlier and I haven't played all the way through it. But I mean, you can't slam the people making the game after and you know come at them personally that's not right like if somebody puts that much time and work into something so complicated you know it's no one person's fault the aftermath and you should never you know pile on or harass people online that's just not anything that can be supported all right you know we can't condone that kind of behavior but i mean this was a pretty big disappointing game people are going to talk about it online and people are going to definitely let you know how they feel um you know rumors abound but i mean from what they say in this article here you know recent rumors have suggested that microsoft evidently had no faith in redfall after coming into the picture you know i hadn't really heard that peddled as justification or a talking point or anything yet up to this point outside of this article. But I think that, uh, it's like your mic tried to attack you. (laughs) Yeah. My hand was on the other side of the mic boom and I launched it into my face. I just saw it launch in your face. I'm like, what happened there? (laughs) Ghost attack. Uh, Redfall came at me. No, but like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Like I could totally see Microsoft having, you know, come into the picture, Redfall's like already in development, and they're like, oh my god, this just does not look great to us. It looks like you guys have a lot of work left to do on this. Uh, Just, you know, we're going to build up a schedule around it, just get it out in time, and we'll just get you guys onto the next project after that. Like, that seems pretty reasonable to me as what could have happened. You know, it lets Xbox kind of Have their conversation like we'll talk next about you know Phil Spencer talking about Redfall and everything but like they were really kind of trying to play the cards of like you know hey this was on Arcane and their studio like yes we're in charge and we're going to take responsibility but ultimately this was way too far in there was nothing we could have done to influence or impact or change it. And no amount of delaying this three months would have really had any meaningful impact. Like if they delayed it for three months, maybe it would have launched with like the 60 FPS performance mode and still had no cutscenes or anything important or anything meaningful that like that studio does and puts into its games. And is why people appreciate them. Like all of that still wouldn't have been there. So like, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, we just need to move past this and and towards the future for arcane. And we'll see what that means for them and Xbox, I guess.
0: Here's what's really disappointing for me though, is like when I first saw a trailer for Redfall, I was like, man, this game looks awesome. Like I really want to play it because it was hyped up. So if Mike, if these rumors are true, Microsoft really had no faith in this, right? Then why the hell would you hype it up as much as you have? It's like this top, Xbox title that's coming out and like all these great things make it your first
1: $70 game
0: yeah like if if that's the case so it's you know is it a matter of Microsoft not having faith with this initially and saying hey let's just get out the door or is this Microsoft just lowering their standards on the type of product that they're going to continue putting on the market and if that's the case then something like this Activision Blizzard acquisition we shouldn't want this to happen like yeah, Activision doesn't have the best games or the best like track record, but do you really want to see a lot of those titles just rushed and thrown out there to be able to get more and more games on game pass just to get them out there? I I don't, you know, and I don't think anybody really should want that. And this is supposed to be a first party high profile title for them. Yeah. And it got jacked up. So yeah, I, I don't think Microsoft is honestly to be trusted on a lot of these games. And you know, I, I don't think we need to dive too much more into this uh, particular article. I think we can kind of transition to the next one, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, Phil Spencer says we're not in the industry of out-counseling or out counseling Sony or out Nintendo. And this is Brendan Sinclair at Game Industry Biz. But I'll read the full quote here. Um, I had it pulled up just beforehand, or I guess I won't because I must have closed it out. So do you have it on you right now? And I can, or I can dive into it. Um, oh, here, here it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. Okay, so let's see. He said there isn't really a great solution or win for us, and I know that it'll upset a ton of people. But the truth of the matter is, when you're in third place in the console marketplace, and the top two players are as strong as they are, and have in certain cases a very discreet focus on doing deals and other things that kind of make being Xbox hard for us. Um, as a team that's on us not on anybody else Um, and then he goes to further pretty much say that like they lost the generation of the Xbox one and he said the idea that if we just focused more on great games on our console that somehow we're going to win the console race I don't I think doesn't relate to the reality of most people so basically saying that you know all of these people have already bought a PlayStation and a Nintendo. If you release one good game, you're not going to get them all to come over to your console. So that to me means, you know, we're just in a business of releasing games. We're going to put games out. We've lost the console war, you know, that's, that's pretty much the end of it, right? Like there's no coming back from where we're at right now with the series X and S Nintendo and Sony have already kind of taken this. We're just going to try and focus on putting out good games, but Redfall it's pretty evident of a game that was supposed to be good, and they're not even doing that right. You can't even release your consoles right. You can't get momentum in the market, and then you are releasing crap games. So, I mean, what does that say about Xbox moving forward?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is all in reference. Phil Spencer appeared on the kind of funny XCast uh, publication this week, um, and he talked a lot about you know the disappointments with Redfall and where microsoft is and you know what they're kind of expecting as well as you know this information here but you know they're definitely not doing well and they're being out there about it and saying you know hey we're having some struggles with you know Redfall did not release in a state that we wanted it to release in you know admitting that they're in third place in the console wars and that it's not going well and that they really lost the last generation and the biggest reason for losing that or and how that might be setting them back is just that now that people have digital libraries built up on other consoles, it makes it that much harder to leave that ecosystem. And that's why just doing one good game on Xbox isn't going to get somebody to sell their PlayStation 5 because they've got years of PlayStation plus, you know, digital receipts hoarded up that they you know, can cash in and play those when they feel like it. And Game Pass is a really good offering, but it doesn't take over that supplanted list of games that aren't specifically probably going to be available on Game Pass. Like, they're likely only going to be available on that platform for them and for free because they already cashed in that token earlier when it was up for BAT. So that makes it difficult. But at the same time, like... You know, he said in this same uh, interview, but not in this exact article that we're referencing here, you know, that they're going to release some 60, you know, in the ratings games, and they're going to release some 80s in the ratings games, and hopefully some hundreds in the ratings games, you know, but that's just the odds of being a big publisher. And obviously, they're not in the business of trying to release those types of games. But like. In all honesty, you've got to look at making those games and trying to make good ones and getting a full lineup and getting people to come to your console because, like, having this pity party attitude about it, like, as more realistic as it is, it's going to keep you exactly where you're at. And if you don't want to be the dominant console maker, you're not going to get there by oh yeah we bought this studio and this game just wasn't you know really up to stuff so we just had them like push it out okay yeah well you did the same thing like with halo yeah halo was such a bad release and that was like your flagship this is another like flagship title your first 70 dollars game and that looks bad now everybody's super worried about starfall or uh, starfield Starfield, and you're you know I don't know how much he said about Starfield in this or if they brought it up really, but, you know, if that doesn't go well, this is going to be like two bad years in a row for Xbox. Meanwhile, Sony's out there breaking records, Nintendo's breaking records and about to launch a new console, which is probably going to, you know, like the world on fire again. So like they really need to get their stuff together. Like I love having my Series S and Game Pass and it gets me through a lot uh, with how much games i'm able to just like play on there and i have zero complaints about it but i mean i have zero faith in xbox as like a provider to like keep those experiences i'm relying on the deals that they're cutting with other studios and putting stuff on there not the first party stuff
0: yeah i mean and you'd made a point there like you know they're not always going to release banger games, right? They're going to have games that are in the 60s and the 80s. hope to have some in the hundreds, but Sony is consistently releasing games in like the 90 plus score range, right? It's not, it's very few and far between that you have anything that goes below that like 90 threshold. That's a first party title. So, you know, it kind of shows you Sony's commitment to releasing high quality games that are going to be a true experience, whereas Microsoft is really diving into the whole realm of, well, Ubisoft and frankly, Activision and EA of let's just push it out into the market, make our money. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But if you're at the same time trying to win a console war, you're not going to have that type of attitude, like you said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I'm I will consistently say it again, unless there is another console. I think this is the last Xbox. The writing is on the wall. I mean, we read the article, I think it was last week where we talked about it, where Microsoft is not happy with the Xbox division, or at least that's the rumor. And now you have him coming out saying, we're not in the business of out consoling Sony and Nintendo. And, you know, we're just trying to push out great games. And then you have this focus on Game Pass. I really do think that's it for the Xbox, man. Like after this, it's a lackluster set of sales. Can you really see Microsoft putting more effort towards development of new consoles when realistically they could focus on PC and releasing these games on all consoles moving forward?
1: Yeah, Do you know they're well, gonna
0: make. I think they'll make more money that way.
1: Yeah, and I mean, proofs in the pudding. I mean, Sony is kind of doubling down on that effort. Actually, in our next article by Kenneth Shepard at Kotaku, uh, PlayStation shuts down Concrete Genie Dev amidst continued pivot to Prestige. So, you know, they're further trying to say, hey, we want more God of War titles. We want more Last of Us titles. We want more big blockbuster, move some PlayStations, push Xbox out of the way. Uh, Thanks for your cute little uh, painting game. Now come make something bigger.
0: Yeah. And you know, I was a little disappointed about this because I actually really liked Concrete Genie. Yeah. I figured you um, would have something
1: to say on this one.
0: Yeah. It's a little disappointing. See that studio. So it's a uh, pixel Opus as a studio Opus. that was shut down or pixel Opus. Yeah. Opus, Opus, same thing. Right. Um, I was thinking uh, Opolis like Metropolis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So pixel Opus. Um, yeah. So Concrete Genie was a lot of fun. I felt, I think they only have like two games that they released. Uh, as a studio, which, and it's only about 20 employees. So, I mean, it's not like they're closing down this like huge studio. It's 20 employees haven't really released much outside of concrete genie. They had them working on some sort of project, but that is likely shut down or maybe transitioned to another team, uh, within the Sony studios. So, you know, it's disappointing, but I do appreciate Sony's approach to this, right? Hey, you guys aren't making the type of stuff that we need to sell to move consoles. We're going to shut it down and we're going to move on to bigger and better projects. And I can definitely appreciate that. Cause if it feels Microsoft, you know, Oh, that's a great game. Well, you have a, a year to finish it, you know, hope it's done by then. And yeah. then just get it out, you know? So, uh, I'm happy with that in a sense. Uh, it sucks that these people potentially lost their jobs. Some of them, maybe okay. some of them moved on to other
1: positions within Sony. Uh, the, But yeah, so I mean, they just acquired those other two studios. I know one of them was like Firewatch or something. Yeah. Or Firewalk. And I don't know what the other studio was, but like, you know, they're picking up new devs that haven't even published games and closing, you know, a studio that's published a couple games that were smaller. But hopefully, you know, between those moves that they're making, they're positioning people into key Places to make good things and move forward, whereas you know Xbox kind of has had this hands-off approach where they're just kind of letting you know them do what they want to do. I think that Sony, you know, will well, Sony, see more. Sony fruit. does too.
0: You know, like Insomniac, Insomniac can do their own thing. You know, they're kind of hands off of Insomniac for the most part. Yeah. So I I get what you're saying. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. No, no, yeah. you're fine. Um, Yeah, I mean, Sony is a little hands-off of some of those bigger developers that they have because they can be. But something like this, no. I mean, you you definitely have a smaller group like this. You kind of have to be a little more hands-on of what's occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. All right. Uh, Next segment here is our inflation-deflation segment, and this was uh, Connecticut. on ps2 so i'll do the quick you know plot yeah. all that and then ryan will dive into uh, the rest of the complete in box and all that good stuff uh so developed by sony santa monica studios it was published by sony computer entertainment um it or published yeah sorry produced by shannon Studstill and released october of 20 or 2001 jeez i'm like in the 20s already <laughs> uh, and it is a, a racing game reception of a seven out of eight so the plot is the absolute merging of man and cycle technology has arrived. They're called kinetic skins. Scientifically advanced exoskeletons are fused with humans to allow them to harness unbelievable speed and incredible agility. They can adhere to any surface and use anti-gravity maneuvers for stunts that would normally be impossible. Use this incredible advantage to perform insane stunts and draft behind opponents to enhance the skin speed. Prepare for racing in a world of Kinetica. Take it away, Ryan
1: yeah so uh this is a really hard and dumb racing game <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why like whenever they're like all right we need a racing game but we need to make it different how do we make racing different i don't know let's let's put tricks in there they do tricks while they race and that will once they do tricks they could go faster again okay cool that's every extra mechanic added onto a racing game that isn't guns it's guns or tricks this is a trick racing game and i had no idea how to get the tricks to work well like the analog sticks weren't working the like turning is so hard the speeds are like seemingly really fast but it seems like it takes forever to go around a lap there was so much about this game that was just like I was not about. I tried like three or four different characters. They all controlled differently terrible. And <laughs> it, it was just, it was a rough time. Uh, do you know why they do the tricks? Uh, because it's it's scientifically advanced exoskeletons with anti-gravity it's, it's, maneuvers. It's
0: to build up the kinetic energy mm. to be able to boost. So you use kinetic energy to in, enhance your boosting. Gotcha. That's why I get the tricks. Yeah. Um, So I'm with you to an extent. All right. When this game first came out, I was like, this is trash. But my brother was constantly playing it and he was really good at this game. And I was like, well, screw that. I got to be really good at it, too. So I started playing more to a point where I could beat him. And as I got better at the game, I was like, "Okay, this is actually pretty good. Um, I think it is a seven out of eight. I think it's tough at first to get used to it. The controls are very wonky. But as you start unlocking more and more characters, the the controls for those individual characters get better. The tricks come easier. Uh, So I think that's part of it. It's more so the the learning of the game beforehand is really what gets you. And this is a double joystick game, which kind of sucks in a way. So, you know, you move forward with the right joystick and then you do your tricks and stuff, or you turn and stuff with the joystick and then you move... Uh, your tricks and stuff with the left, like you turn in circles and all that while you're up in the air. So control wise, it's a little wonky, um, but it is what it is, right? There's not much you can do. Uh, I I still enjoyed it, even though I finished in like fifth, sixth place. I know I only finished fifth. You finished six, both times or all times that we played.
1: Not both. Yeah, basically it, this was one of those games. Like I'd seen this game before uh, at a GameStop. This is one of those box games, Art that sticks out in my mind of being like I've seen this game a hundred times and probably looked at it and every time I looked at it, I've been like, why am I even looking at this? I would never buy this and I then put it back. Cool. I like the box
0: art. I think it's cool. And I've got the the double manual version too. That has oh a yeah, art, has a little it art came book with two manuals. Only some did actually. Not all of them did. So I got lucky when I bought my copy. It's got the the art book that comes with it, little art manual. So yeah, I can tell you you didn't really like this game.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, racing games have just never really been like my genre anyways. And then when you try to like make them go too fast and then you've got to do other stuff and the controls aren't great. I'm just like, "Ah, I'm out. This is not, this is not the way I like to play game.
0: Yeah. The speed of this game is definitely something different from racing. Like I'm, it's almost along the lines of like jet moto in a way like jet moto has got that really fast pace. Like if you miss your turn, you're screwed. This is kind of the same. Like if you miss your turn, you're going backwards and it constantly repeats to you wrong way, like constantly until you make it the right way. Um, so yeah, I, I can totally get your view on this. I do think with a little more time messing with this, you would
1: start to enjoy it further. Mm-hmm. Uh, or really enjoy it not well it's like it's... any game you know you've got to invest the time mm. to get over the hump and we don't really always have the time to do that here uh, no. or the desire <laughs> yeah. so you know it's just uh it's one of those things but i mean when we look down at this game break it down to brass tacks we got a complete in box price these days of about 11.63 uh, that peaked at $13.95 back in May of 2022. That is currently trending down. Uh, Loose, that'll run you seven seventy. dollars That peaked at $12 back in June 2014. That's also trending down currently. So, I mean, you can get this game pretty reasonable, you know, pretty easily. Uh, are there better racing games out there? For sure. Should you probably buy those instead? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh what would that's that's what i have to say i would
0: say it's just right and so it's just right 1163 okay
1: i mean i
0: i mean yeah if you
1: like niche racing games that are weird and you can grow to appreciate over time i mean spending like 12 bucks on one that seems pretty reasonable to me you know it's it's definitely got um I don't know. Certain things going for it. You seem to like it, I guess. I mean, seven
0: out of or seven to eight people out of 10 enjoy it. So is that what that means? No. Is that what a seven
1: or eight out of 10 (laughs) means? Seven to eight out of 10 people enjoy it. I'm I'm just screwing around with you. Seven out of eight doctors recommend Connecticut. (laughs) For your kinetic energy needs.
0: Uh, So look, I mean, we play enough of these games to the equivalent of like what a demo would be traditionally, which I do like that we go that direction. So, you know, I think it deserves a little more time to learn because it is a racing game. Racing games just aren't like, it's not like any other type of game. Like if you're jumping into a platformer, you can jump into a platformer, right? It's typically going to be similar, right? But if you jump into a racing game there's a lot of different things to consider in terms of track development and speed and certain controls and racing types. It's kind of weird. So I, I would say for me, if I saw this game at 10 bucks, I'd pounce on it right away. If it was 15 bucks, I'd say, leave it. So 12, just right. Yeah. I think we could, we could stick to that. Perfect. That, that sounds about right. Um, okay. So next week, is Mother's Day. So I know we're not recording in person. I don't know what we're planning yet. We might release our snowboarding episode, you know, in middle of May, (laughs) because why not? Right. Um, Or we could record virtually. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, we got to talk to, we got to talk about Tears of the Kingdom, my friend. That's true. So maybe you and I can record on like Saturday. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Or Friday night. We'll, We'll figure it out. Yeah, but we do have to figure out a game for next week. Uh, I'm thinking something on Super Nintendo might be OK.
1: OK, we'll figure so it we'll out. See. Uniracers Part 2. Oh, God. Not <laughs> more weird racing games with tricks in them,
0: John. I just got done <laughs> saying that. <laughs> that's true. I did hit you of Uni Now this and I don't know, maybe I'll find another racing game. That's pretty bad.
1: Wait, this Let's one say. has two wheels. Is there a three wheel racer? Like (laughs) big wheel racing or something? Technically, this
0: was four wheels because each arm acts as a wheel. I'm looking at the cover. Chick
1: has, they're motorcycle people. How many legs and arms do people have? (laughs) Yeah, but they they hold the wheel in between their legs and their hands.
0: So like an ab roller. So it's like wheel. Yeah, but it splits. How do you think they do the tricks with both hands and legs split up?
1: I just figured the wheel would be in the palm of the one when they separate. No, oh, they got four wheels, dude. And then they can oh. put it
0: together. Certain racers, but no, they, they split them. It's four wheels. So what you're saying is we need to find a tricycle racer.
1: Yeah. Is there um, a big wheel game?
0: Uh, there is actually a big wheel uh, truck racing game. Um, how about this? Let's play another racing game, but we can play top gear. No. You don't want to play Top Gear? I don't know what Top Gear is. Top Gear has like some of the best music on the Super Nintendo track racing, Rise.
1: Okay. I guess we'll check it
0: out. It is actually one of my favorite racing games. Like, I really do enjoy it. So, okay, let's play Top Gear. That'll be fun. And then after Mother's Day, when we record in person, uh, we can play that fishing game. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to mark that down. Like, hound me on that when you get here. Like, I want to play Sega Dreamcast Saltwater Fishing. (laughs) All right. (laughs) okay all right well this has been episode 234 of game players podcast my name's john i'm ryan and thanks for listening